Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I'm recording this episode at 11 p.m. after a long, busy day I had with clients because I'm going to a screw trip with my female friends and girlfriends tomorrow in Denver, which I'm super excited about. But I wanted to make sure that I have this episode ready to launch and release on the day that it usually gets released, which is Tuesdays. If you want to see the pictures of my trip, hopefully I'm going to have tons of fun. You can follow me on my social media at Instagram. My handle is at Oasis2Care. Today, I wanted to talk about male sexual desire, specifically low desire in men. We call it in psychology, male hypoactive sexual desire. And it is more common than you would think. I'm going to talk about what are some of the contributing factor to this challenge and also some suggestions and what are the common treatments when it comes to this issue. But before I go deeper in this topic, I wanted to take a moment and thank two of our listeners who wrote us an honest review on iTunes. The, their username is thomas 45 and Di Verdano, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy day and sharing your thoughts and perspective with me and also leaving a positive review. The more review we get, it will help us to rank higher on iTunes and we will be able to reach a broader audience. So as I shared with you, uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, low desire in men it's one of my favorite conditions to treat because if I'm honest with you, big part of this comes from the bullshit that we teach our boys and women during childhood and sex ed. And I don't curse that often. If you guys are a listener, you know that. But it's one of those situations that's very frustrating for me because when we unpack some of the challenges that people have in the past, sometimes even that part can dramatically help people to resolve this issue. But I guess I got a little bit ahead of myself. So one of the common misconceptions that people have is that men always have more desire than women. At times I get couples in my practice and female, and it's like a heterosexual couple and like women tell me how frustrating it is that their partner does not have the same level of desire as them. And these women are feeling undesirable. They feel their partner, they don't find them attractive because they're not necessarily fitting this rigid kind of ideology and perspective we have about male sexuality. That's absolutely not the case. Male desire, similar to women, it's in a continuum. Some people have lower desire. Some people have medium desire and some people have lots of desire and usually it could may or may may not be related to their attraction to their partner but overwhelmingly i see many women perceive that their partner is not experienced they don't they don't have desire because she's not desirable and that's not the case and it's just heartbreaking to see that and that 
that alone sometimes cause some sexual challenges for the uh, female partner. So it's really important to kind of examine this myth and misconceptions that they have. So how common is male, uh, this low desire? In research, they're talking about it's between three to 41% of the population struggle with it. And I know that it's a huge range, but I was looking into research articles and the numbers are very different and drastic based on the research studies. More conservative estimate is between 15 to 25%. So it's certainly more common than people are thinking it is. So what is the male hyposexual, uh, hypoactive sexual desire? So this talks about men who are experiencing little or no desire for sex. So I'm going to go over the fifth edition of Diagnostic and Statistical uh, Manual, DSM-5 criteria. This is a book that a psychologist and therapist they use for diagnosing various conditions. And this is the... This is the diagnostic code that qualifies many people to get reimbursement and services for their medical treatment. Uh, so most likely, if there is something in the DSM, any of the DSMs, and most current edition is DSM-5, it's been well-researched and it is a common issue. So part of it is deficient or absent sexual thoughts or fantasies. The other part is uh, lack of or diminished desire for sexual activities. Very important to know that this condition must be present at least for six months. So if you're going through a period of couple of weeks that you notice that you have no sexual desire, there's nothing to be worried about. We all have times that our sexual desire is more present or less present. So needs to be in order to get this specific diagnosis, you need to at least have uh, six months that you're struggling with this. And most important part is that it must uh, cause clinically significant distress. Because there is a this subgroup that you guys know, and it's a different diagnosis actually of asexual people. Asexual is a asexuality is a kind of a sexual orientation. These people they don't have sexual desires and they don't they're not bothered by it. They are sometimes even in the romantic relationship they enjoy the sensation and feeling of being in love, but they just don't have sexual desires or fantasies and they don't masturbate and that's not an issue. Also, if the partner perceives it as an issue. So if you are in, an, in a relationship with male or female or and they force you to come in, if you don't think it's a cause of significant distress, then that's not a male hypoactive sexual desire. At least it, it would not qualify based on the, this, this diagnostic book that we have. So as, as I shared with you, it's more common than most people think. And it increased in men over 55. As we get older, sometimes our testosterone levels dropped and it's normal. And, you know, most people in their 40s, they notice some changes in their testosterone, but it does not necessarily mean that they will have male hypoactive sexual desire. 
But you know, there was this term in, in literature that they talk about andropause, which is similar to women's menopause. Some of the symptoms of andropause is depression, fatigue, lack of energy, poor concentration, low desire. So if this is part of people's experience of andropause, it might not be truly a male hypoactive sexual desire. So what are some of the contributing factors? As I shared with you guys, testosterone level is part of it. It's not one of those situations, the more testosterone you have, the better it is. If if you go to a urologist and your testosterone level is within normal range, a lower or more or a less in that normal range does not make a a huge difference in your sexual appetite because sometimes I get it's funny that some of my clients are very competitive and they're coming in. And I said, What does this mean? And we're looking at their testosterone results and we see it's normal. And they kind of get kind of competitive and saying, But it's closer to the lower range. And well, it doesn't matter if closer to a lower range, as long as it is within the window and range of normal. It's good. Don't fall into the marketing of people who want to sell testosterone to you. So if if your testosterone is in normal range, you're okay. Some other medical conditions also contribute to issues with drop in sexual desire. One of them is cardiovascular disease. Uh, many of my clients with heart problems, they tell me they have issues with erection, they have issues with desire, uh, some neurological problem uh, such as MS and Parkinson's disease may also contribute to feeling of low sexual desire. So if you have any of these uh, challenges, these might contribute to drop in your sexual desire. Very, very important. Medications, sometimes it's a side effect of the medication that cause, cause a drop in sexual desire. So if you are on SSRI, anti-anxiety medication, mood stabilizer, or drugs for your cardiovascular disease, they may have the side effect of causing the a low desire. And sometimes, for example, with SSRIs for the, or antidepressant, you have an option of taking something else. It's just a matter of you sharing your struggle with your physician and asking them if there's another alternative. Sometimes small and minor changes as, such as changing your medication with obviously with consultation with your physician, I see it makes a huge difference and your issue can get resolved. Obviously, that's not the case for everyone. But imagine that, that like you or your, it's funny, I'm saying the uh, Mary Poppins song of imagine that anyhow so that can cause that can cause some issues with low desire so if low desire is the result of the medical reason then this diagnosis would not apply to that condition obviously you're still experiencing low desire but it's not male hypoactive sexual desire one thing that's important to ask about and often i ask my clients and if you or someone you love struggle with this issue, it's kind of asking them about frequency of masturbation, how frequently they masturbate, because it tells I tell you that if the issue is with the relationship or the issue is something else not related to the relationship, and can give us tons of uh, good information. So if 
if someone had this common and possible for someone to have desire in some situation, for example, they can masturbate. They have desire when they watch internet porn or they have desire with the, another partner. They have an affair, but they don't have desire for their spouse or long-term partner. It's interesting that I was looking into it, literature and there was this article talked about, which was published in 2014 by Minan Steiner and talked about hidden sexual desire disorder. So subcategory of people with show up in our offices, sex therapy offices, they struggle with what we talk about hidden sexual desire. They have a high level of sexual interest for sexual activities, kinks, sexual behavior that's outside of what's quote-unquote known normal and outside of their committed relationship, and they're keeping it a secret. So it's, it's similar to, uh, for example, if I'm really loving steak and I'm having vegan food at home, so I'm, I might not have craving for vegan food because I want steak. And it's kind of a similar situation. That's, that's why it's really important to, in therapy, to talk to people about spectrum of sexual activities that they might be interested in and kind of examine if, if this is, is, there is a specific script of uh, sexual behavior that they're engaging in with their partner that causes that they don't desire or uh, there are all like the thought of all sorts of sex- sexual activity is not appealing to them. So possible reasons that someone might not want to have sex with their partner and they rather do like solo activity. Uh, one we talked about that this they might want something that their partner, they're scared of telling their partner or their, par- their partner might not be into it. The other thing is difficulty with communicating. Many, many times people have these stories in their mind about how their partner might react if they know that they are into this specific thing and they don't talk about it with their partner. Sometimes we're not clear about what we want in bedroom. Sometimes we we want our partner to do mind reading. For example, we think like she needs to know or he needs to know oh, what gives me pleasure and sex becomes this kind of disappointment for us because we're not communicating our needs and sexual desires with our partner. The other piece is fear of rejection. You know, when I work with couples that they have like mismatched libido, sometimes the uh, partner with higher higher desire for sex might feel uh, rejected. Or in many cases that one of the partner might not want to have sex. And every time that the other partner bring the topic of sex, they might feel kind of rejected because, because they feel like they're always getting shut down. The other struggle is very common is complaint about performance. Actually, I had this client that he was coming to me for treatments of uh, male hypoactive sexual desire. And it seems like his issue started because many years ago, like I think six, seven years ago at that time, he had some issues with performance. And his partner made these comments about uh, how unsatisfying sex has been for him. And it kind of broke his spirit. He didn't want to have sex anymore. And lifelong throughout the years, his desire kind of diminished. You know, it's not often I don't want you guys to be alarmist or getting worried about if you made comments 
about your partner's sexuality. And I don't want to blame the partner for the diminished sexual desire, but it's very important to be tactful when we are giving feedback to our partners about their sexual performance. So if communication is not your forte, I encourage you to at least practice it. Think about what are you going to say? It wouldn't cause more issues in the relationship. One other reason could be issues with, again, affair. The other part is feeling of other other mental health challenges. Depression is a common cause of low desire. As a side note, many of you guys might know that I recorded this bonus episode last week that, where I talk about impact of depression on our desire and our various sexual functioning and what can you do to address that. So if you haven't downloaded, you can go to our show notes and check out that episode. So these are some of the factors that might cause someone that might not want to have sex with their partner. The other kind of individual psychological factor is stress. In this day and age, many men and women they're feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, work long hours, you have stressful jobs and financial commitments. And that on its own can diminish our sexual desires. So it's really important to think about if this is something, the stress level and your lifestyle impacting your desire or not. Childhood sexual abuse also is something else that contributes to Many, many of men who are struggling uh, with issues around desire. And also lastly in category, the, the list can go on and on, but like I, I kind of highlighted some of the more important ones. Religious and culture. So I grew up in a agnostic family, but because I was born in a, a religious country, I, I grew up in Iran post-Islamic revolution. There was tons of negative messages that I received growing up. Although the, the messages were not my family messages, but they are deep inside me. And it's funny that in some random thoughts, times I hear this uh, comments of various religious teachers or this sex negative message that I heard from a friend or from other kids or from other parents in school. And it's funny that even right now that I work in this field, I have a really good uh, relationship with my sexuality. These are still at times present for me. So I can imagine that for people who grew up in the families that had very strong religious belief, which were sex negative, that that might kind of impact their sexuality and their desire significantly. One thing is that is related to relationship that comes up very, very often, comes up very, very often is issues around domesticity and feeling of safety and familiarity. Familiarity. You know, it's interesting that some therapists, they say the deeper your emotional intimacy with your partner, the stronger the sex is. Based on my clinical experiences, and I see tons of clients and I talk about these topics all the time. My understanding is that I, I, it's at times it's, it can even, it may be opposite because many of my clients, I know I talked about a few episodes ago, 
that they they tell me that you know I love my partner. My partner now is like my sibling, and I don't want to have sex with someone that I know and it's like feels like incest. So there are so important thing for you to incorporate novelty in the relationship in a long term relationship and make an effort to kind of change these things up sexually if you want to have a long-term fulfilling sexual relationship. Other things related to partner sex that may cause and contribute to male hypoactive sexual desire for the couples that they are in heterosexual relationship is partner uh, sexual dysfunction uh, may impact the, the male partner's sexual desire. I was working for years with this couple that for a long time, the female partner was struggling with painful intercourse. So whenever she was, when they were, whenever they were having intercourse, she had this excruciating pain and the guy could see it on her face. And then after a while, the guy didn't want to have sex. And he talked about kind of like they lost, he lost interest in sex and he he had diminished desire at times also i see it in clients that and even friends that their partner is going through a medical condition for example one of my friends she was she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was going through the treatment and the partner was telling me that how challenging it was for him to even think about sex he had lots of guilt about it and he talked about like how he trained himself to not not think about his sexual desire and after a while he had this diminished desire because because he didn't want to burden his partner with his desire so that that could be one other element some of the things that i wanted to differentiate because it's important to see what is low sexual desire and what is not So sometimes people confuse sexual desire with sexual motivation. So men who have a low desire still can be motivated to want to have sex because culturally the wanting sex is like related, is connected to our sense of malehood and menhood. So people talking about, you know, even the partners that are in the relationship that they're coming in because of their spouse they still want to have, want to have sex, but it doesn't mean that they have a sexual desire. So there is a differentiation between sexual desire and sexual motivation. Dr. Catherine Hall, in her book, she was talking about it's like wanting, a, craving the chocolate cake versus planning, I'm going to have chocolate cake at 12 p.m. It's different. So the same way that sexual desire and sexual commitment is different. The other piece is it's different with mismatched libido and low low or hypoactive sexual desire because at times people coming in and saying that, you know, my partner, my husband has low sexual desire, but what is going on is truly a mismatched libido because the partner still experiences desires. And if, if he was not in this specific relationship, he could enjoy enjoy sex and also be a higher desire partner. So I guess there is a difference between the mismatch uh, libido versus couples who are individuals who are struggling with low desire. Well, let's jump into the treatment. 
portion and suggestion on what to do. Because I know many of you guys might know people or yourself struggle with this condition. I guess first step is going to your physical doctor, urologist, internal medicine to get you tested for testosterone. Because you don't want to treat this condition if it's like psychologically with limited success if the testosterone level is an issue. The other piece of it is focusing on distress reduction. So I know we talked about dual model of uh, sexual desire and response in previous episodes, but we know that like sexual, uh, when we are feeling distress and pressure from work and life and all of those things, they function as a brick. And no matter how hard you press on accelerator sexually, kind of like surrounding yourself with exciting sexual information and exciting turn-ons, you still might struggle. So super important to make sure you are uh, taking out some of those breaks. So you're doing things that helps with the distress. It's important to do distress reduction. Other piece of it is that this is an exercise you can do with your partner, which is called Sensate Focus Exercise. We extensively talked about it in an episode that we had. You can check out the show notes about this episode. I guess the uh, summary of that is these are the structure touching exercises designed to assess and address sexual problems. I said that in that episode as well, that it's one of those reliable ways to help people to get in touch with their sexuality and can transform your sexual uh, relationship. The way it works is you are taking turn with your partner and touching and caressing different areas of the body. There is this hierarchy and a structure to it. So if this is something you're interested in, you can listen to that episode or you can go get the book that our guests in that episode recommend that it's usually a, like four to six weeks kind of manual and kind of instructions. After that, it can completely change your sexual relationship and desire. So I highly recommend you to look into that. So another strategy I'm going to talk about called simmering. This can be a very effective strategy if people make commitment to do it. Uh, so it comes from the uh, notion that a pot of water set to simmer will come to boil more quickly. So the way it works that you pay attention to any sexual feeling that occur during the day and then kind of like develop a fantasy and in that fantasy, you, you, it's your own X-rated movie. You kind of engage in this image and you let it fade after a few minutes. And then later on, you re-engage with this fantasy several times a day. Then later on, you can incorporate uh, your partner in this fantasy. And essentially, you can fantasize about your partner and then ultimately engage in initiating sexual activity. So it's also, it, it just reminds me of another recommendation that's really important to do with your partner that in order for you to cultivate sexual desire, and I say that to men and women, it's important to kind of like playfulness and flirting and touching and all those great things during the day uh, with your partner. Some people kind of focus their uh, sexual attention in that 10 minutes or 20 minutes that they want to have sex and 
nothing else is going on outside the bedroom that is sexual. And uh, with engaging in a kind of small kind of sexual activities with your partner, that's not kind of flirting you. Some other variation of simmering is like flirting, exchanging racy pictures and kind of teasing your partner outside the bedroom. Uh, so this way you can kind of cultivate and pay more attention to your sexual desire. Other thing is, as I shared with you guys, that it's important to expand your sexual repertoire because many times the challenge that I see that many people have is that, you know, they, they feel bored. They're having leftover sex. And one of my supervisor used to tell me like, you know, early on people say like, I don't want to have, I don't want to do this activity and their partners. Oh, I'm not into that. And shortly after, I don't know, two, three years of courtship and uh, sexual relationship, their sex become what she was calling leftover sex. So you're doing one position like for years and years, and you can almost kind of predict exactly what's going to happen next. And boredom can kill your sexual desire. So it's really important to kind of like do things to spark this sexual desire and excitement back in the relationship. At times, I recommend my clients to go to sex shop if you feel comfortable. So kind of see what's out there. You can go to get magazines. You can talk and you can read erotica with your partner. One other thing is you can go talk about like there are tons of lists on Internet of Yes, No, Maybe. And you can talk about lists of things you would like to introduce in your relationship or the things, the sexual fantasies you have. I realized and I learned throughout the year the more you talk about bringing variation and excitement in the relationship, at times that's all it needs for a relationship to sexual desire and the sexual relationship to rekindle. So I highly encourage you to think about that. Other thing that you can definitely practice is mindfulness. I know we had Dr. Lori Berto in one of our shows and she talked about her research on mindfulness. But sometimes what happens is we're just not paying attention to what's in front of us and we're distracted. And when we're distracted, we're not necessarily seeing the sexual cues and we're not in tune with what's going on around us. And therefore, we're not experiencing desire. So even if you can do like start with five minutes of mindfulness exercises, that's something else that can help you with addressing these issues. If you try these things and, and you feel it's not helpful, you can always work with a professional. As a sex therapist, we have tons of different tools and strategies that you can implement to change things sexually because part of the thing is there are activities you can do on your own, but sometimes it's our strongly held belief that gets in the way of our sexuality and enjoying sex. And it's important to talk about it with therapists. You can always call us in my group practice or you can look up to find a, a sex therapist close to uh, where you are. But I highly recommend you that I think life is too short to have mediocre or no mediocre sex or worse, no sex. This is something that you can completely fix. So why wait? Anyhow, this was our show today. I love it if you can subscribe and leave us an honest review. And I'll chat with you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. 
For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.